Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's uh, show. Today we have Amber from Conscious. And Amber, if you could introduce yourself and uh, what you do to our audience, that would be great. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm Amber Sutter. I'm the Chief Enlightenment Officer for Conscious Public Accountants. We're a professional coaching uh, company that helps accountants grow their career without losing their soul. And what that really means is, you know, we're living in a modern, busy world and a lot of regulatory compliance and not enough people to do the work and just really helping people, you know, what do they really want to do? What's their highest and best use? Um, what's going to make them happiest? How do they not you know feel burned out and so it's it's really an honor and a gift to work with individuals and um employers of accountants great you're in a great area where you are coaching the other skills other than non-accounting skills which is always crucial for person's development in their company not only that but as a person as a whole and managing the company and so on so what are all the different angles that you would help or mold someone within a company at different levels in an organization. Yeah, I want to answer that. But first, I'll share a little bit about my background. Like, yes. how did I even get into this, which mm -hmm. is I started my career as an accountant, right? So um, I went to school, I did a bachelor's in accounting, I started working in the profession, I, I did audit in big four, got an offer. And I thought, oh, that's not for me, the company's too big. And then I went to a really wonderful regional firm. And I worked in tax, and I love the people but I didn't love the accounting work. I thought, you know, this is not me playing to my greatest strengths. So I went and got a master's in leadership, which is a really unique type of degree. And my mind was just blown because there were so many, I thought, amazing topics that would help people in the profession that I didn't learn while doing, you know, studying for my accounting degree. And so really a lot of our work, like we use a really cool model where we, um, the model is not something that um, I created, you know, I'd love to, but it was, you know, it's an assessment that we use and it's kind of like a balance sheet, right? So it talks about the top is what are the effective leadership competencies and the bottom, what are the ineffective and one side is task, getting things done, and the other side's relationship. So we're really helping people to be effective and not in their liabilities that weigh down sort of their assets, and then helping them to be a balanced leader, right? Some people naturally, and especially in accounting, are really good at getting things done. You know, there's checklists we can follow, and there's project management skills, but maybe we're not as practiced at relationship, right? Or maybe some people are really good at relationship, but they've worked in a matrix reporting environment where they have a lot of bosses. And when you do that, it kind of ends up being ineffective at times, because maybe you're not decisive enough, maybe you're not prioritizing, you know, because you've got so many demands. So those are just a, a sample of, you know, broadly kind of what we help people with. So who do you target? I mean, who are your major audience? So do you do you work with people and who work at companies so that they could grow up the ladder quicker or, I mean, better quicker? Or do you work with the top level people to see how they can manage their people better? Or do you do both? Yeah, so we very intentionally work with all levels in the organization. Um, and the reason, you know, there's some coaches that say I'm an executive coach, so I only work with the top level. And there's certainly value in that because the top level is really 
establishing culture and, you know, can spend the money on the development dollars and different things, setting strategic priorities. But I also really believe how important it is to be developing your leadership skills at a very early age in your career. You know, like one of the very first promotions in public accounting, at least, is we go from staff to supervisor. And I'm like, I'm responsible for my job and now making sure someone else gets their job done. But we don't always have a lot of supervisor training. So very strategically and in service of the profession, we're trying to offer it at all different levels. And we've also made it a graduated fee schedule because I'm, I, you know, I've worked, I understand that they're not going to maybe spend the same development dollars on a partner as a staff person. And so how do we have a, a scale that makes it accessible for everyone in the system? Um, and then I think there was a maybe a nuance in your share. We do work with public accounting, but we also work in industry, you know, so people who've done professional coaching can really coach in indi any industry. What makes our team unique is Everybody has either worked in public accounting, is a CPA, and has done credentialed coach training. And, you know, we really have lived experience of what it means to, to work in a financial services environment. Okay, great. So what kind of methodology you use for coaching? Do you do one-to-one -one coaching, group session for a company, or group session within a forum where you invite people from multiple companies? Or what are all the different angles that you use? Yeah, so we do individual coaching, we do groups. Um, and I, I love that you asked about methodology, because it almost has me take a little bit of a step back. So um, because coaching is a relatively young profession, people maybe don't understand what it is, or that there's rigor to it. And so, um, and this is a, like a little bit of a fun fact. So all of our team has done training through programs that are accredited by the International Coach Federation. And what to me is really fun about the intersection of coaching and accounting is the International Coach Federation was actually many, like in the 80s, pioneered by two former accountants who became coaches. So as you can imagine, they go into this like, new industry, it's like, well, what is coaching? And, and how do we know it's, you know, real or not? And so with ICF credentialed coaches, you have some very similar things that you see in the CPA designation, that we have education requirements, that we've had somebody supervise our work, that we have a code of ethics. So in terms of methodology, there's this real professionalism to it. But another really different distinction, at least it felt really different when I first went through training, is that we assume that our client, the coachee, is the expert. And so that's how it's different than mentoring, right? Mentoring is really, I have wisdom. I'm going to share with you kind of how I got to where I'm at. And the approach of coaching is quite different because we're, you know, a client comes to a session and we say, what do you want to get out of this call? What's going to be the most important to you? And so they're really developing their own capacity and their own agency of like, who am I? What's my highest and best use? What does the organization really need? You know, what do our clients really need? And how do we maybe go in on this together? So, um, and the, I think those skills are really helpful even when you serve your client. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned about different ways of coaching, right? Which is, do you do more, both the methods or do you tailor it based on the type of clients that you get? Um, it kind of depends on when, so, what, 
as someone is approaching us with, right? So sometimes individuals seek us out, right? They found us through social media. Maybe we taught a CPE event somewhere or we spoke somewhere. And individuals usually hire us privately when they're feeling like something's not working. And it's not just, it might be like, hey, I'm not sure about this job or this employer, and that's why they don't wanna have their, their company involved. It might be like there's something new going on in their life that's taking a lot of responsibility, right? So they're recently became a parent or they're caring for aging parents, right? And so they're just trying to balance all of it. And what feels best for them is to not even get their employer involved. They just want to work with a coach to work on their life as a whole person. Um, then we have companies that will engage us. So maybe they want to help somebody because they're promoting them or they're going to be promoting them and they're going to know they're going to be taking on more. And so maybe they've been amazing technical superstar, but they haven't learned as much about how to effectively lead a team. And then the other thing is we might do group programs, right? So we do have programs, um, two specific programs, one which is CPA exam coaching. So if someone is struggling to pass the exam, we don't teach the technical topics, but we teach them things like um, how to you know, manage their energy, how to deal with anxiety, whether it's at the testing center or other places. And then we also have a leadership development program. So we get engaged for that for different reasons and we kind of customize it, but it might be the organization has a lot of succession plan that's going to be coming on. You know, they're going to have key people retiring, so they need to get the leadership competencies up. Or they have a promotion program, and they're going to have a group of people that, again, have more responsibility, so they want to take them through. And then the final kind of bit of it is, well, what's going on with COVID and distributed working environments, right? They, it used to be, at least for me, I've been in accounting for 20 years, like, busy season was fun. You know, we were together in an office and like doing it together and eating dinner together and working late together. And that was fun. And it's not fun when you're by yourself in your house doing that. So how are we creating these nice communities of learning about who we are and developing ourselves as a person that happen to be working together? Because when you develop yourself as a person, usually your lead leadership effectiveness improves. That's a great point that you bring up. And now with the distributed workforce, how do you help them manage to the transition of managing people who are distributed all across the country? Not only that, but like you said, um, how do they go to the next level, right? How do they come up to speed on management techniques and so on? Now things have changed to in a very short amount of time. That's that's very interesting. And yeah, and what's interesting in that is if you have like a key management group that's doing a good job of like, say, mentoring the staff and developing them and they're working like that, but they're not actually yet coming together to talk as leaders because they don't yet have that responsibility. And so how do you start to bridge that gap if you know these high level leaders are going to be um, retiring at some point? You know, so how do we kind of go, oh, okay, well, how do they know what they're doing and bring them in and like not do it in a way that's abrupt, you know, like hopefully you bring it with time and close that gap. Yes, absolutely. And so for the practice owner, so do you work with, I mean, there are multiple angles, right? So especially when someone is starting a new practice, they have their own challenges and they want to grow. 
versus some some other practice who has been there for a while, who is a larger one. So I guess you you tailor the programs based on what the challenges that each of these different types of entities face, right? Exactly. And so that's where what we do isn't necessarily a customized, here's our curriculum, okay. because we do like I've worked with the, the challenges that maybe a sole proprietor has are different than the leader of a hundred person firm or a thousand firm. And that's where the it's really that nice discernment that that person's the expert on whatever, you know, the wisdom that they have, whether it's their hopes for their business, their hopes for their life, their knowing of their clients or their team, what we create is the space for them to stop and think about these things and think about them at a much deeper level. Because what happens is people just keep going and going and going and they don't stop and examine, well, what should my rates be, you know, or do I need an office over here or not? Like my lease is coming up. Do I want it or not? Let me just like stop. So coaches, we just ask a lot of questions, the insight. And then we say, well, you know, given you have this information, what are you going to do about it? Like what's the action to take? And then we help people stay accountable for the action. Oh, that's great. Because it's not only you providing advice, you also give them a pathway for them to do a plan of action and then execute it and so that they could see what are all the different angles that you help them succeed in this, uh, Amber? Um, yeah, so that's a great question. And this is where it's my favorite part of coaching. Whereas if you help people, like a coaching question is like, if you had a magic wand and you could create any change in your organization, what would you change, right? If you could do another one would be if, if you could do anything in this company without fear of failure or getting fired, what would you do? And usually what that draws out is them like, God, I, you know, like I'll give you an example. One day I was coaching last year and I had a client who was like, I just don't like the technical stuff anymore. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do it anymore. But more than anything, all I would love to do is the people stuff. I would love to do the interviews. I would love to do the onboarding. I would love to help like with the scheduling, like all these different things that need to get done. And then my next coaching conversation was somebody who was like, I don't want to deal with the people stuff at all anymore. I don't like that stuff. I'm tired of it. Like if all I could do is my technical work and then really being like subject matter expert and people come to me and want technical advice and I can help guide the firm, that's all I want to do. And so it's like, if you can make it free enough in an organization where people get to say what they really want, and then you plug them into those places they provide so much more value. And so that's what we do with company-sponsored coaching is an organization pays for it. And we have conversations up front, like, what do you think the coachee needs out of it? And the coachee, what do they think they need? And then we touch it, touch base once a quarter. And I would tell you probably, I should look and really get my number firm, but 9.5 out of 10 times, people never leave their job. They're really like, how do I just stop and go, what do I really want to do? Like, what's going to be the most meaningful work to me? And when they get plugged in there, everybody wins. Well, that's that's a very good point, especially now, now one of the points that you mentioned, right? there's more, more than enough jobs uh, for the companies to handle. So now they get to pick and choose. So now they get a free free time to do whatever they want, right? And then how how to develop the organization, and not only that, the next level of leaders. So those are crucial points, Amber. 
what are some of the techniques i mean i don't want not getting into the details what are some of the techniques that you use to bring out someone to talk about all this thing they've never been exposed to something like this before and they've always been a more technical person and now we come in and then ask them hey, to think them in a completely different way right? so what are some of the techniques that you use to make them open up yeah it's a great question so the international coach federation actually has eight core competencies that that we do training on but anyone listening to this can go look them up and and learn about them and so some of them are things like active listening right are you not just listening to the words that someone's saying but are you listening for maybe what they're not saying um listening to the tone and cadence right sometimes people come into a conversation with me and they're and i can tell they're really anxious right they're in fire drill mode um or they're really quiet well what's going on and it it's not i'm not there to decipher what's going on for them i'm really we say in coaching we're uh reflecting we're holding up a mirror of like hey i noticed x and then what's going on and just getting curious um definitely powerful questioning is a very important competency it was a really admittedly hard thing for me to learn because i grew up as an accountant which means i should have all the answers i should have the solutions that's what i get hired for and in coaching it's i need to ask questions for like an hour and that that was like a big big high level like for me to climb over and learn which is asking open ended questions you know like what's going on over there what do you want to most get out of our conversation today what would it look like to have this you know just really asking questions um and i learned in taking actually my ethics training for my coaching um my coaching certification they and this is where it's so important i feel like for accounting and finance professionals to learn some of these is they talked about um what happens they did a study and it was when advisors were providing financial advice and they said that when someone is giving financial advice that when you're receiving it like your your brain goes into cruise control you know like you're just like hit the button and your brain's kind of sitting back but after you provide the advice like you know there's strategy a b or c then the coaching becomes you know given what's like most important for your goals what strategy do you want to take and then that activates the person like oh i need to hear what they said i need to process that and i'm going to say what i think i need to do and that makes the client way more likely to actually take ownership and be accountable for the action so we are never prescribing them things it's like given everything we talked about what do you want to stay accountable for between now and our next conversation and i think that's really something would be amazing if all accountants kind of use some of these these coaching questions in the yes. work that they're doing so i know you do a different there different types of coaching with all these different areas but what is how long are these i mean is that couple of weeks because you also mentioned that you have plan of action and then you go back and then check if it was done and all that every quarter so how long does this take over a period of weeks months or years or how 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 does it work all of those things <laughs> but i'll i'll explain more so our cpa exam coaching program is 
uh, eight weeks. We take people through that. And it's, there's something about that program where, you know, we had somebody who failed five in a row. She did eight weeks of coaching and then she passed all four in a row. So it's really can be quite powerful. Um, and then in the individual coaching engagements, we recommend a minimum of six months because it takes time to change your patterns of thinking and behavior. And it's also really nice to have that container of like, things are going good. They're not going good. Like, you know, like life happens and you learn from that. Um, our, our leadership development program, Ascension, we work with the employer to figure out the best structure for that because we're very mindful of compliance deadlines and other things going on in the firm. So it has to be at a palatable pace for that organization. Um, and then I have clients that I've worked with for three years consecutively, you know, and that's their choice. It's a, initially like we recommend a minimum of six months and then they decide to keep going because it's really this, it's a form of self-care is what it becomes is like, really, how do I take care of myself and how do I stop and check in with what I need and then go on about my week? And when you do all this coaching, do you specifically focus only on accountants? Because for other organizations, you may have HR people, sales and so on. Do you do classes for or coach them also? Or is it only specific to accountants? We could absolutely coach people from in other industries or different roles in an organization. And sometimes we do. But, you know, honestly, we're so just... I hope this doesn't sound too egotistical, but we're just so good at coaching accountants, sure. you know? We get feedback when people say like, this was more valuable than any other mentor or therapist or anything I've gone through because you know, like, you know how to be a professional coach and you know what it's like to work and, and what my life is like. And like, they really feel seen and heard. Um, so we do do stuff outside of it, but really the sweet spot and really quite rewarding is to helping people in these, you know, accounting and finance roles. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, great. Anything else that you want to add today for the audience, Amber? No, I, I think just if anyone, if this has piqued anyone's interest, you can go to our website, which is www.conscious.cpa. Um, again, that's conscious.cpa. And we have a lot of information. We've got blog posts on there. We've got a newsletter if you want to hear monthly updates, if you're interested in learning more about coaching. Um, you know, and we're always happy to talk too. I like to tell people that if you want to pursue working with a coach or sometimes a therapist, because we do, you know, we're similar to mental health is I really encourage people to talk to multiple providers of the service because it's important that you feel like this person really gets me or I really feel safe with them or I really trust that they're going to be, you know, my champion and my advocate. Um, and so, you know, check out what we do, but also explore other places because ultimately it comes down to what's going to be most helpful for an individual or an organization. No, now, now that you mentioned that point about mental health, especially after COVID, I think that has become a big issue, uh, especially people working at home and not going into social settings. So what have you seen in that? I mean, have you seen people thinking of uh, coaching more like also a psychological part of helping them or what have you seen post-COVID? Um, yeah, so I did actually a lot of talking about mental health when COVID was coming up. And part of it, 
I created because what I noticed as a coach was I had people that were showing up to coaching, multiple people that that shared with me that they thought that they had been having a heart attack and they went to the um, emergency room and it turned out they were having a panic attack. And that was a big signal to me because I hadn't seen so much of that in like the, you know, eight collective years prior. And so I went at that time, I approached a couple organizations, but like one being the AICPA and said, hey, we really are on the precipice of a mental health crisis and we need to start talking about it and we need to start doing something about it. And so I did do a lot of speaking um, either for CPE events conferences, different organizations had me come in, really helping people to understand what might be going on with me if I'm having a mental health issue, or how do I notice it in someone else? Like, how might it be showing up at work? And then how to intervene, you know, how to really help somebody, because sometimes when we're in it, we don't even know that we're in it. Um, That being said, I think things got better for a while. And yet now it's, I'm seeing maybe a little bit cropping up. And I think it's like that loyal layer. I think those people are like really having some significant burnout because they've been so committed to the organization. There's so much chaos and lots of work where they're like, I I'm burnt, you know, I I don't know if I can do this anymore. So um, that's where I've really been advocating, like just check in on those people to make sure they're doing okay emotionally um, because they might be feeling overwhelmed or exhausted. Well, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, one of the things I talked about a lot during the mental health work that I did was you like for, for accountants to stop and think that like, our mind is like a computer, you know, we're running programs in our mind. And you think about that, like how many scenarios you're imagining, you know, like what your, your mind is always working. And so when we're, stressed out about something, you know, like, uh, I know I have a a father who's elderly and has gotten sick several times throughout the past year. When I'm worried about him, when I'm having to call the doctors and do different things, my work suffers. You know, I'm not thinking about, oh, there's a new article I could write or something new I could create. And, And anxiety takes up the place that could be held by intellect. And so it's really important for knowledge workers to tend to these parts of themselves because it does impact their performance. And the more employers can make organizations safe enough to just really say what's going on for somebody. You know, someone on my coach team, and I I have a team of contractors. So I think A, we're contractors, so maybe it feels lower risk. And B, we're coaches, we're more prone to be vulnerable. But one of my contractors said, you know, in the next year, I, I just really feel called to help my aging parent. And I don't even know what that's going to mean for my work. And I said, I've just been living through this. I totally understand. You need to follow that, what's going on inside of you. And you just tell me when you're available, even if you're traveling to another country. Like my commitment, I'm even more committed to getting you work because I I can relate to what it's like to be that having that. And so if we can make work work when life is hard, like I'm even I'm more excited to give you work, you know? And that would be beautiful, but it just, there's, it's not easy to always make the culture that safe enough for people to speak freely. Anything else you want to add, Amber, to the audience? No, I just really appreciate you providing this opportunity and, and admire you for what you've built with your company.
Thank you. Appreciate it, Amber.